Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner, and I'm coming to you from yet another Airbnb in Austin, Texas. My wife and I came to Austin with the idea that we would find a lot of space and also be close to all of our friends who've moved here to Austin, Texas. So far, we have not found the ideal place for us, so we just keep moving from Airbnb to Airbnb. Our kids are loving it. They keep turning all these different bedrooms into clubhouses. My wife is going a little bit crazy. She doesn't know where anything is. She's not really enjoying the fact that she doesn't know whether there'll be a pillow in one room or not. In an, it's just been a little bit challenging for her. But dude, I've been loving seeing all my friends here. Everyone from San Francisco is coming here. Luca, are you considering coming here? Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, it's been a, a, a topic in, in our house. So we don't know yet. It's um, it's a move that a lot of people are making or considering, and I, I totally get it. I wish that we would have made the move maybe two, three years before. Maybe as soon as the pandemic hit, we should have said, boom, let's go to Austin, Texas, and we'll figure, well, anyway, now everyone else is coming here, but it's still fun. And so I keep adjusting my podcast recording setup, making sure that everything works, and I'm glad that it is working because, Luca, I've been looking forward to talking today. Luca Zambello, whose voice you just heard, he is the founder of Journey. They make software that allows people who run not exactly the types of Airbnbs I've stayed in, but maybe bigger operations to allow them to run. I think he's he's pushing the contactless point of it, but for me, it's more like the all-in-one take good care of your um, of your guest um, solution, which means. If you have multiple units, whether it's a hotel or an Airbnb with multiple units, and you want people to see what it looks like, they could see it. They could even book within the Journey app that um, is customized to you. And then when the guest arrives, they get to unlock the door using the Journey app. They get to um, connect to Wi-Fi using the Journey app, which the Airbnb app also does pretty well. But let you turn on the temperature a little bit higher, a little bit colder. Everything is done through the Journey app. What's fascinating to me is that he's a dude who came here from Italy searching for the American dream, got into real estate, and through real estate decided to do the software. And um, and I'm curious to see how it's going. I'm curious to see how many people there are who have enough Airbnb units to need this. And um, we can do it all thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, Luca uses, I use. It's called Gusto. If you're paying people, whether it's full-time employees, part-time, even 1099s, Gusto is your solution. I'm going to tell you you should use them for free at gusto.com slash Mixergy for a limited time. And the second, if you need to hire developers, they're vetted developers available to you from my past guest at lemon.io slash Mixergy. But I'll talk about those later. Luca, first, good to have you here, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to be so, here. Is it for somebody who has like a whole apartment building that they would be likely to use you to list their properties on Airbnb and independently? Yeah, so it's actually for, we, we say professional, we call them professional hosts. Um, so they could have multiple houses or they could have like an entire building or they could have, um, you know, 10 units in one building and 10, 10 units in another building. Um, since Airbnb started, uh, you know, the, about now, like 15 years ago, uh, it's become more and more of a, a platform for people to open entire businesses uh, and run entire businesses on mm -hmm. Airbnb and uh, allow really like independent people to almost have their own like mini hotels. 
Um, and this but has been. It, I, yep. I have noticed that. So a lot of the Airbnbs that we're in are owned by people who have multiple units. I'm actually seeing, Luca, that a lot of uh, people now, since the cities do not allow short-term rentals, they'll even list long-term rentals on Airbnbs. And then there are a lot of people like us who aren't looking to come for a weekend or a week, but want to be in a city for a month or two to experience it, to live in it. And sure. so they're listing on Airbnb. And these profe- the whole thing's becoming much more professional. But when, when someone's using you, are they using Journey because they have a whole apartment building? Do they have a full hotel? Do they have multiple units in the same city? Is it a combination? All three. All yes. three. What's the majority? Yes. Uh, the majority, well, it's actually 50%. It's like hosts that have multiple units spread out. Spread out, okay. The other 50% is independent boutique hotel owners or like what we call apart hotels, which somebody owns an entire um apartment complex and it's converted into an actual hotel and listed on Airbnb. Got it. Okay. I've been in those. I kind of like those. I like that every detail of the whole building is set up for us as guests. Okay. So 50-50, but not anyone who has like one house to list on Airbnb. For that, Airbnb is fine on its own. Yes. And 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 the reason is because our system is really built to improve the experience for a professional host to now have we're unifying the experience from both a guest standpoint and a host standpoint so we wanted to get now give you a centralized centralized platform that allows you to control everything and all your units anywhere they are all from one single place uh, whether you're listing them on airbnb booking.com expedia or or on our app as a host you want to see everything there and then allow you to have uh, remote control of things like AC or uh, locks or door codes and things like that all from from a centralized uh, place. But do, do hosts even really need that? Because when we get into a place, Airbnb and VRBO, which is the Expedia product, which actually is surprisingly good, um, mm-hmm. They they immediately tell you here here's the code to get in here's how you can adjust the thermostat here's one click button to connect to Wi-Fi and the Wi-Fi account name and password. It seems like it's all there. If someone's on Airbnb, why do they need more than that? Yeah, for from from a well, there's two reasons. One, from a host uh, standpoint, you. It's it's the code that you get sent, and I'm saying something that is like maybe like a security thing that a lot of people don't know. Um, but very likely, you're using a lockbox when you get to your Airbnb, or even if it's an electric lock, you have yeah. a code, but that code might have been the same exact code of the previous guest. That's not very safe, for example, mm. right? Um, then on top of that, you don't have any of the functionalities as a guest of being able to open and close remote doors. Um, you don't have the functionalities of um, having control, both as a guest and as a host, of common areas. For example, pool area, uh, garage door if it's a house, uh, you know, main entrance of a building, for example. So our system actually kind of like gives you that smart connection across basically any type of access system of, okay. of a house or a building. Uh, and then as it allows you automatically as a host to, to give access. So for, for instance, somebody makes a booking on Airbnb, 
uh, our system automatically creates an ID for that for that guest, and it creates an access that starts from the beginning and it finishes to the end of their stay. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna have a unique code that now you can use across the entirety of the building. So whether it's a pool, whether it's uh, your own apartment, and that code is custom to you and only works for your reservation. Uh, on top of that, you also have the ability to do it through your phone without even entering the code and just pressing one button and opening whatever door you want to open and remotely control thermostat. And I get that. that nature. I get the. So when we get into places, I actually bring this little device with me so that I can open and close the garage door from my phone. I just connect it into their garage and I open it up because if I come in with my bike, I don't want to have that clicker with me and I don't want to have to come with my bike all the way through the house. We have a couple of cars with us. Usually like in this place, they give us one clicker. All these things seem nice to be able to do from your phone, but is that really so urgent that landlords are willing to pay you money for this? Yeah, it's that's one of the... Um, see if you if you had a single unit, maybe not. But if you're running a thousand units or even just even thirty units, the logistics around it it's, it gets very complicated. Mm. Uh, just just updating codes for all these units, plus making sure that the entire system communicates with everything every other piece, um, it it gets very complicated. And we. That's that's just like a small portion of actually what we offer. Our system it, it gets a lot more complex than that. Like we offer things like dynamic pricing, um, unified inbox. So like a guest, whether they message you from Airbnb or they te- send you a text message, you see it on the same on the same place. They message you from VRBO, whatever they message you, see in the same place. We actually Got offer. It. 24-7 customer support. So, for example, if you're a host and you don't want to be the one doing the guest communication, we handle the entirety of the guest Oh, you'll handle you. the chat with guests for me? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Inquiries, um, communications, uh, just just the accounting side of things. When you have multiple units spread out different buildings, it's uh, – there's – the thing is that hospitality and here I'm talking about both hotels and Airbnb, there are like – maybe like not maybe there are hundreds of solutions and you probably will need at least a good 20 to 30 to have this fully automated operation Mm -hmm. as a as a host um and what we did is we kind of like took either the best vendors or whatever there wasn't something we build it and we created a single system so now as a host you just need a single system cleaning service that seems like a big one you handle that too uh, we don't do the cleaning, but we have a software that allows you to manage remotely manage cleaners. And this is becoming more and more. What do you mean by remotely manage cleaners? Uh, meaning that means um, we, for example, create a, a uniform like authentic, like they're basically like custom codes for that specific cleaner. And we, uh, so, yeah. so for example, like uh, there's a guest just checked out. Automatically, we send a notification to to all your cleaners. One of them is gonna grab the job. Um, when they go clean the units, they have that specific code, so they have to enter when they get in and when they get out. On top of that, they have to take photos. Uh, specific that they have to match. I see. So this is everything that somebody who has multiple units would need in order to manage their properties. And when I look at it and say, 
this doesn't seem that important. It may not be important if I'm thinking about one product and one, uh, one unit, but once you start getting into the dozen or more, it becomes really important. And I get that. Okay. How much revenue are you guys producing with this? We are uh, right now in, in terms of volume that we bring in, we're at a $12 million a year right now, if we annualize it. Um, and then net to us, uh, we're, we're getting close to 2 million right now. Close to 2 million net to you in revenue, not profit. Correct. Got it. So the 12 million includes things like payments to the cleaning services. Is that what it is? Uh, we, we basically, uh, when we calculate the volume is all the revenue we generate to, to all of, uh, oh, meaning how much money the landlords might be making from their units on exactly. Airbnb. Okay. I got it. All right. This whole thing started because you came to the U S from Italy when you were 21 years old and you didn't know anyone. And to me, people, you did what? Uh, well, the first thing, one, I came here initially went to, to school. Uh, I came here to study and then, um, I realized that one of the best things I could have done to meet people was actually <laughs> working in clubs. And one of the first things I did, I became a nightlife promoter uh, in LA, uh, in Hollywood clubs. And uh, how do you I get people to come to the clubs? I guess I, I get that the clubs will say, look, you look good. If you could bring us good people, sure, we'll pay you per person. How'd you get the people to come in? Yeah, this, was <laughs> this is funny, actually, because I saw an opportunity as a good entrepreneur. I I saw I saw an opportunity and I jumped on it. Um, and so I I did a certificate in marketing at UCLA, and I realized that a lot of people, especially international students, um, and you know people at UCLA come from kind of like everywhere, either United States or outside of United States. Many people didn't know how to go into the Hollywood clubs. Um, and, and there was like, uh, one specific bar, uh, there was like, you, you know, university bar and it was called Hoyers. <laughs> there was like maybe 500 people every, every weekend and going there almost like every night there were, there were so many people going there. And so one of the things that I did, um, at a time with not a guy who was also named Luca, but, um, that had kind of joined me on this, in this mission, um, uh, so at first we just were just approaching people and say, Hey, do you want to go to a Hollywood club? We saw that that was working. So one time we actually got a limousine. We, and at the time it was like $500. And for me, it seemed like this like crazy investment. I'm like, if this is not going to work, I'm just going to lose <laughs> a lot of money. And this is going to be a bad situation. And we parked it in front of this, uh, uh, university, uh, bar. And then we went inside and we literally were asking every girl that was in there, if they wanted to go into this like super exclusive club in Hollywood. And then we had a table and everything was going to be for free. And we actually loaded limousine with 50 girls. Uh, with 15? 50, five zero. You could fit 50 people into a limo? Yeah. Like okay. it was like a, this hammer, huge hammer limo. And we we went to Hollywood and we show up to this club in Hollywood, which was like our first night as a, with our own table and stuff and and from there it's kind of like people were like who are these guys that they show up with this like 50 girls that nobody saw uh before <laughs> and things just kind of started from there and we started 
repeated that strategy multiple times and eventually and the like, club people- pays you because they want to balance the male women ratio and yeah that's it and so they pay you per person who you bring in they even in that case gave you a table is that right yeah that's correct uh, they were actually at one point start paying us like a, a flat fee plus commissions on on the on the entire night or or the you know how many tables we were selling and then, well on top of it. so now people see you, they want to get together with you. Are you taking phone numbers in your phone book? Is that what it is? You are. Yeah, I was, I was taking, I, I think at one point I had like, um, I think four, close to 4,000 contacts on, on my phone. <laughs> and how would you message <laughs> them? Are you texting them? Yeah, it was, a, we were sending like this blast group text messages and saying, Hey, tonight we're going to be in XYZ. Got it. That's kind of like how everything started, you know? So you just and, meet uh, people, you take their phone numbers if they look like interesting people, they want to be invited to the next place that you go, you start sending mass messages to all of them saying, this is where we're going to be tonight, you get paid. Got it. Did you get to meet anyone? Like, did, yeah. did you make good friends? Did you get to date? Well, yeah. All of, I, think, I okay. think all of the above. And um, what's uh, what's interesting is actually that, that I built a lot of my network initially from there, you know, a lot of the clients that they were going in clubs, especially that had money, I would ask like, what did you do? How did you do uh. it? <laughs> and, and, um, and I think that was like, kind of like, uh, I think it was really, really cool because I, I got to learn a lot. And then, um, one thing led to another. And, uh, at one point I had a client that was asking me for like a house, uh, to rent out a house because he wanted to throw an event. Yep. And I couldn't find anything. This is this is like now, I think almost 11 years ago, uh, 10 years ago. And uh, I couldn't find anything. And so I I started looking around and somebody told me about this website called VRBO at the time. So this was the very beginning. You know, nobody, people didn't know much about VRBO. It was, fully, it was at the time known as vacation rental by owner. Exactly. And now, they, now they call themselves Verbo. Verbo, yes, <laughs> yes. And I I realized that there was an opportunity um, because in LA, basically most of the things were still happening through brokers. If you needed mm-hmm. to to rent a home, mm-hmm. and most people didn't even list them on 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 these websites. So I got in contact with this broker, uh, and I saw that he had this crazy portfolio of homes and he wasn't listing them online. So I, the first thing I did that night was I went home and I spent literally like, I think 24 hours straight, uh, which is like drinking coffee and build a landing page. It was called houserentalsangels.com. And I started running Google AdWords on it because promotion for me, like being a promoter was just like a, a gig to get things going. And, you know, I wasn't really looking to, to be in that space forever. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, that landing page on year one made $1.2 million in revenue. <laughs> because people would pay you to do what? So people would pay me um, kind of to be the broker in between me and finding a home. Like I would find... For so, a party or uh, an event. So we, were, so we were listing only luxury homes here in mm-hmm. LA and people would rent homes for... Uh, events um, uh, for weddings or TV productions uh, like vacations 
so so we cannot be known at one point for this like super crazy luxury homes we end up having lady gaga as a client okay. we end up uh having several celebrities so what what did lady gaga want from you uh well, she was renting out um a house i think at the time she she lived uh uh in new york and uh-huh. she didn't own a house here in la and so she needed a house like every like three four and- months when she would come here in la and for a month at a time. So basically, and you were like a manual uh, Airbnb for people. For luxury homes, yeah. And you would you find individuals to list with you, or did you just keep going to VRBO? No, we. I was. This was like all people that were not listed online. This is like you know, word just of some mouth. dude that would be willing to rent their rent his place out. Maybe even yeah. get himself out and his family out before before renting, 100%. and then come back in. Got it. So this was yeah. like a like a mini Airbnb. It was a mini Airbnb uh, where I didn't really think so much of scaling it at a time, and because I realized there was like a momentary a momentary thing because. I realized that platforms like Airbnb and Booking dot com uh, 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 they would have eventually taken over the space and so i molded that business into that management company <laughs> and then from a managing company well, before we I get into the management company i'm on uh internet archive i see house rentals what it house rental los angeles.com that's a site there are uh-huh. two lucas on the bottom there's luca zambello yeah. which is you and luca Fior, uh, fiorini yeah uh, he was my business partner when uh, I was saying, you know, when we were doing the nightlife promotion. So okay. we we kind of got into into the luxury home business together, and then we kind of like split split up eventually because he wanted to kind of go back into uh, the event productions and uh, uh, okay. uh, and that, and then I continue with the with the housing. Uh, You got into real estate and then into real estate software, and that's what brings us to where we are today. Let me take a moment. I'll tell you about my first sponsor. Listen, Luca, if you decided back then that what you wanted to do was turn this into more of a software company, you'd have struggled, right? Because you could put up a quick landing page, you could sell, you can find customers, but finding developers would have been hard, right? Yeah. And then finding ones who have the experience to do what you need them to do, expensive in addition to tough. Well, that's where Lemon.io, my sponsor, comes in. Lemon was created by a guy named Alexander who, because he was from Eastern Europe, people kept saying to him, do you know any developers? And at first he said, you know what? I could use some money. I'll find find developers. I know people in Eastern Europe. So he'd go and find developers for people, make a little bit of a commission for making the introduction. And this thing just kept escalating because the people he draw to him were so good that they would get repeat business and then he'd get referrals. And then this thing went from just like a little side thing to get a little bit of money into this professional operation that is now Lemon.io. And if anyone out there needs to find developers and wants to pay less than they would if they were buying, you know, if they were hiring them from the US or Western Europe, He's got access to these developers in Eastern Europe. He's incredibly good at vetting them to make sure that they're really good. He's incredibly good at standing by them. He's incredibly good at, frankly, responding to his email. I've already made introductions to him, and people have been happy. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are looking, Luca, to hire a developer, if you want to talk to them, I think this is a great time to have a conversation with them. They I will just show you that. developers. Did I you? just sent the link to my CTO. <laughs> Wait, send him this link. 
lemon.io slash Mixergy. When you use the slash Mixergy at the end, yes, I get credit, but also you're going to get a discount. And frankly, it helps, I think, to come through me so that everybody knows that this is a group of people that need to be taken care of because Andrew's going to talk about them in uh, in the ads. So please let them know, lemon.io slash Mixergy. And do your research on them. You're going to see a lot of your friends, a lot of others in the tech space have been hiring from Alex because Alex is kind of a quiet, shy guy, I think. But online, he's just exploded because he decided that he is um, almost autistic in his inability to like hide things. So he shares his revenue numbers and his growth and where he's getting his business from and all that. And so that's developed a little community around him. Anyway, lemon.io slash Mixergy. I should shut up about them and let them do their selling for themselves. I just want to make sure I introduce them to you. All right. So Luca, how did you then transition from doing these luxury houses to where you are now? What was the next step? Yeah. So we, we realized that, um, being an online broker, unless you have venture money and you were at scale, it would have become impossible. Um, so, uh, we pivoted business thanks to the relationship that we created with some of these owners to to do to become a full management company, right? Um, so we were like one of the first Airbnb management company, uh, especially here out here in LA, um, and did that for a bit. Although that was not necessarily what I wanted to do. I always let's, let's pause on it. that for a minute because yeah. that's fascinating to me too. You're saying that it seems like some of your clients were already starting to list themselves on Airbnb. Instead of fighting it and saying, wait, they should be listing with us, let's raise enough money and become a, like a luxury Airbnb, you said, okay, we'll accept that that's where they're going, but we know that they need some services that we used to provide, we'll do that. And those services were what? Those services was um, you know, making sure that the places are clean, uh, list them on this platform, like Airbnb, Booking.com, and Expedia. So getting expert, becoming experts in that, becoming experts in pricing, becoming experts in, in guest communication, um and managing the guests when they, they they come to a place right so so all of that 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 is um you know now there's thousands tens of, of businesses thousands. that do this oh, exactly but um so what are some of the things that you learned back then about pricing how would you figure out what to price what are some of the tricks that you could teach us for listing and doing well on airbnb yeah so well now there's a multiple multiple pricing software um and, what are some uh, of the good for, sites for that? Yeah, for well, we work with Wheelhouse. Um, we have a Wheelhouse. direct integration with Wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's others like um, out there, but like I think like from our experience, they're kind of like the best in the in the business right now. Um, and the reason why you want to have a a pricing tool is because it will give you the the correct instruments to allow you to have a dynamic pricing. What that means is like you set a base price and you set a minimum price, but then there's going to be an algorithm that basically 24 seven, every minute looks at everything that is listed on the market, whether if it's Airbnb or booking.com, whatever uh, OTA and based on their occupancy and what they're priced at based on your, on, on the comps of, of your Airbnb, it's going to automatically kind of decide a price for you. It will keep changing the price on my Airbnb units? Yes. Interesting. In real time. So I might wake up one morning and see that the price is $250 a night, but because there's suddenly a shortage of property, 
it might jump up to $400 a night. That's exactly correct. Ah, and you know what? I could see that happening. Say we were just in Denver and in Boulder, there were these huge fires. I think a thousand houses were burned down. It was really sad to watch, but I could understand also that that meant that a lot of people were going into Airbnbs. If somebody listed their price for what we paid for, which was what, 250 a night, 300 a night, to have it automatically you know, jump up would make a lot of sense. Otherwise, yep. you're underpricing. Wow. Okay. And all that happens because it's usewheelhouse.com and you just plug into that and wheelhouse automatically adjusts, adjusts price through your software. Yeah, exactly. And we have a direct integration. So like any uh, customer that will be on our platform will, will be on wheelhouse without knowing that they are on <laughs> on, on, on wheelhouse. Okay. Um, and that's the whole idea of our system is just to unify and select the best vendors so that you have a single system and you don't have to know how everything works necessarily okay. and a lot of things that run for you. Um, but yeah, that's the idea. Hairlines have done this for, for a very long time and uh, yeah. hotels were doing it and, and um, now, and now Airbnb does. I had no idea that existed. Give me another tool like that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, top of my head. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, well, like I was saying before, the the tool of, of, that automatically creates the guest uh, um, the guest codes. That's mm -hmm. that's like something that you know. If you think about it, if you have even ten properties. And you have potentially in a weekend up to, you know, 20 guests. Just the fact that you can just automatically generate codes and you don't have to physically go and change the lock codes. Or I have noticed that. I think they're pretty lazy about it. And they don't, most most of these properties don't change the code. And it is kind of exactly. freaky that anyone and it's kind can of freaky. in. Yeah. Um, and okay. that's the other thing. As a guest, yeah. Being on a, a journey, for example, utilizing journey app, it's a very safe environment for a guest because you know that the units are run by professional hosts. Uh, every unit is going to use the, the, the code verification. If you're on a multi-unit setting, we actually have guests, actual guest verification. They have to be compliant to, to whatever hotel laws are out there. So you know that everybody that goes into those units are verified. So you don't have random people yeah. that they go and without any type of verification. So that's the advantage from a guest standpoint, aside from all, the old touchless experience and the instant access um, feature that we give you. Okay, let's continue then with your story. You decided you were going to manage people's property. Why didn't you from there go into into buying your own properties and listing it? You see that, that there's money to be made there. You're helping these guys make money. Yeah, it's very interesting that you said that. <laughs> because it is something that I consider, um, and and I, if I would have just followed the money, that's probably where I would have gone. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself and be honest to yourself and say, like, what is what is that I really want to do, and what am I passionate about? And the reason why I moved to US is because of company like YouTube of uh, uh, companies like Google, uh, where, where these companies are, you know, are basically the, the tech company dream, right? You want to be a tech company. 
you did not want to be in the services space, you didn't want to be in the real estate business, you didn't want to be in Hollywood. It had to be software like these people who got you fired up when you were watching the internet from a distance. A hundred percent. That's what's that thing behind you? There's a trophy behind you. It looks like I can't make it out. Oh no, it's just a, <laughs> it's just like a, a car that my wife would. Oh, okay, I thought maybe that was some kind of uh, like tech stars or something connection. It isn't. Okay, no. so you said I need to be a software company, and yep. here you are doing management. Even though you made good money from it, it wasn't enough for you, and so you started working towards a transition to software. And one of the things that you told our producer that you wanted to do was. Do the work yourself, see what goes into, into managing these properties, and then once you understand, turn that into software. Yes. Talk 100%. to me about how deliberate you were. How'd you do this? We, we built an operation um, that was running almost 200 units under management first. Mm-hmm. And then and these guests sometimes short term stay for a weekend, sometimes long term, like it, Lady Gaga needs a place to live. Uh, well, that was like our first business in luxury homes. We then shifted into managing r- regular places like um, apartments and regular Airbnbs, right? Like, and and our main focus was short term stays. Like, so we only went into markets. We actually left LA because LA was one of the markets that said no no short term stays anymore. And so we went to Dallas, we went to Nashville, um, uh, Miami, all cities that allowed uh, short-term stays and allowed them legally. Because so that was step one. You don't want to, obviously, we want to, to build a legit business. And so we went to markets that allow us to do that. And then um, we start piece by piece about automating a lot of the processes that, that are necessary for you to be an, an operator. And there's millions of processes. Like, Give me some of the early days. Let me take me back to the beginning. Um, the early days was when we were managing these homes for for like mm-hmm. some of these owners in LA, and we start seeing the city cracking things down, and we were like, okay. I don't think there's going to be a future for us here in LA. <laughs> so we need to figure something out. So first thing I did, it was uh, to fly to, uh, we, we looked at this, there's like this tool is called AirDNA. Mm-hmm. And it's a tool that allows you to see uh, what other Airbnbs are making around the world, uh, which is pretty cool tool, actually. AirDNA.co, I've seen people who want to buy Airbnbs or buy properties and list them on Airbnb, they use that to understand what a property is worth, what they could sell at different times of the year. I remember exactly. going through it and and not realizing until I went through that site that um, how big the Salesforce conference was for for property prices. Like suddenly the week of the Salesforce conference, every Airbnb would would shoot up according to AirDNA. Yep. Okay. Uh, so you were looking there and saying, where's their money to be made? Exactly. Huh? And um, and we picked uh, Dallas and Nashville as emerging markets, um, thanks to that tool. And uh, we flew there, start meeting owners, and <laughs> eventually somehow convinced some people to give us uh, their properties to manage. And what we realized as well is that we shifted from single-family homes to multifamilies. And the reason why we wanted to go to multifamilies is because we said it's a lot more scalable. Um, 
But the idea was to do that, to then start building all the automations around it. But it's expensive to do that. So one of the things we had to do is like at the same time, we got the first 50 properties. And then after that, we had to go raise money. So we went and at the same time, start looking for to raise money. And, uh, and we were able to raise our first seed round uh, for $1.75 million. That was our, our first round. With the idea and, that you would create software or based on what you were doing at the time? No, but yeah, so we had a little bit of software when we went there. It was like a very, very, very minimum. And we kind of like show, uh, I still remember today that Peach is like going to these investors like, look, our idea is to put all these properties in an app so you can instantly book them. Um, and and, uh, and we, we, we found someone that was, I guess, crazy enough to believe uh, in our crazy idea. But you know what? So here's the thing that I, I don't understand, that when I went to Journey, the site seems to say this is software to help you rent and manage your property. Are people really looking to have their own software to rent their properties? Aren't they expecting that all the rentals will come from the major booking platforms like Airbnb, like Expedia's products? So they, we, but actually like uh, we, if you're listed on our app, um, Sometimes even up to 20% of your revenue may come from our app directly. Well, people are using your app to book? Yeah. And the reason is is because it's a collection of, uh, and right now it's a small collection. Our goal is to make it a a very large collection of what we call instantly accessible units. So what it means is, think about this as a host, you you booked many Airbnb, so you know probably exactly what I'm talking about. There is inconsistency in any OTA that you're using. There is massive inconsistency in multiple different things. One, it's safety. Two, it's accessibility. You don't know how to get in. Like must, it may be okay how you get in, but it's not the same experience. You are having a different experience every time. It may be a lockbox. It may be an electric lock. You don't know that. Um, Payment processing, it's okay. It's okay experience, but it's not this instant experience. And then accessing the new information is not always done in the same order. So for us, uh, our goal was to allow a guest to potentially be in a serial right now, like you're uh, hopping from Airbnb to Airbnb in Austin, right? Let's say tomorrow you want to find a different Airbnb. If you, if we were in Austin, which we aren't, <laughs> you will pull up the journey app. And be like, okay, which location do I want to go to? Select the location. You double click Apple Pay and you your payment is done. And then the second your payment is done, if you're selecting the check-in for that day, you can check in immediately on that property without having to talk to anyone. And you can preset your room temperature before getting in. And you know that it's run by a professional host. You know the place is going to be clean. You know the place is going to be professionally run. And you know that your experience with the technology side of things is always going to be consistent. Got it. You know what? It is problematic that there's an inconsistent experience with with all these different places that you don't know what you're going to get until you get in the place. And I, I can understand that. All right. And, and truthfully, for a long time, I just used nothing but Airbnb. And then once you start to really care... You look at different places. I also understand that I could talk to the owners a little bit before getting in there. I can make sure that the internet is solid every part of the every part of the house. 
I think we even asked this place to put a desk in for us since we're going to be here for a little bit, right? And so you realize that you could be a little more discerning and spend more time. Okay, so your entry in is doing the work. Your end goal is to have software that just manages everything. Take me just one more part of the of the history here. Before you had the software up to speed, what were you using? Were you using Asana? Were you using something else to manage? Talk to me about the early days of software before it was built out. Yeah, um, we used third-party software, right? Like um, there, there is... Mo- I say 90% of professional-run hotels or Airbnbs use something called PMS. It's property management software. Um, what that allows you to do, it allows you to do some of the functionality of what, what I was mentioning to you, like a unified inbox or ability to list in multiple different platforms. But it, and then it allows you to create not perfect but connections with third part other third party vendors like it could be the wheelhouse of the situation like it could be a a, a guest uh, verification app right but all of this is spread out all of these connections are not seamless and that means that you have to pay multiple vendors and it's a very complicated system and very likely it doesn't work very well together yep so consolidation is in my opinion, it was going to be one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest businesses in multiple industry. It's going to happen. It's happening with us in hospitality, but it's happening in logistics. It's happening across the board with multiple different things. Because think about it: even when you're using your computer, you have so many tools now, right? You have your Asana, you have your Slack, you have your Zoom, you have your uh, Google Hangout, your calendar, and it's everything is kind of like spread out and and if you think about it, it the more things are spread out, the less efficient they are, and the less they work together. Yes, you have some integration, but this integration not always work well together. So consolidation is a big thing. And from a business to business side, the biggest thing we are doing is consolidating a lot of this aspect and then making it a lot more affordable. Because now when it's consolidated, it's, you get access to economy of scale, and you don't have to pay fifty vendors a lot of your revenue. All right. I'm going to talk about my first, uh, my second sponsor. You did not know Lemon, and I love that you sent that over to your CTO. You do know Gusto. Yep. I have uh, known Gusto before. I, I I signed up this year. And the reason that I signed up this year is I needed an easy way to pay people who are 1099. I need an easy way for them to see how much they were getting paid. And I keep using the word easy for a reason. I've used other software that has a big feature list. It is a pain in the butt. I don't want to ever have to fumble around to do this because if I have to fumble, in my case, Luca, it's me paying people. If they're if they're submitting a, a bill and saying, here's how much I need to get paid for the work I did for you last month. I'm the one who goes and pays them because they're they're doing the work for me. And if I have any bit of hesitation, what I end up doing is saying, all right, I'll handle it later when I'm on my computer. And I don't want to do that. I want them to get paid as fast as possible. It's not like I'm making money on the interest for them, right? Meanwhile, they're sitting and waiting and fine. So I want the ease for me. I want the ease for them so that they go and see, did Andrew pay? What's the situation here with it? And I want that to be true for both uh, 1099s and W2 people. You guys use Gusto? Yeah, we actually do. Yeah. But you're at a point now where you're not directly involved in paying on Gusto, right? That's, that's true. How <laughs> so many I don't people know much of what's company? happening. 
I just know that my team is happy with it. <laughs> How many people work at, at uh, Journey right now? We're uh, 35. 35. Okay, so someone else is doing it. Do you do you, you get a paid a salary? Do you go into Gusto to go see whether you got paid this month or or where the money's going? I just got notified that I'm getting paid on, <laughs> like from Gusto, and that's it. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> All right, listen up. If you want to be like so many of the other guests that I've interviewed here, you should go to Gusto right now. Start of the year is a great time to switch to a payroll provider. Don't worry if you paid with another provider. They will understand. In fact, the first question is, have you paid this year with another provider? So it's not too late to switch. To have all that ease, they handle this stuff really well. And if you want to try them out for free, all you have to do is go to gusto.com slash Mixergy gusto g-u-s-t-o dot com slash mixergy they'll give you some free time with it but frankly i just want you to get into the software and see how simple it is and see that you can handle everything from full service payroll medical dental vision uh, you'll get certified hr professionals there time tracking hiring and onboarding so much more but ease 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 is what i want you to understand for you and for your team and if you use my url i'll get credit and you'll get free time with their software. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy right now. You should, and your people should love your payroll provider. All right. Raising money, how hard was it? Um, I mean, it's hard, but what's, what is it in business? <laughs> what was it like for you? How, how hard was it? I saw that you raised money from a company that intentionally says that they want people outside of Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we we raised the last round of nine and a half million dollar uh, round. Um, that was uh, that was with them. And the reason why they want to invest outside of Silicon Valley because there's a lot of great entrepreneurs out there. And uh, um, this is Mucker Lab, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so. Was it tough for you to get in front of them? It feels like LA has a really good community for for raising money, for thinking through where revenue is. Am I right? Yeah, I think LA, alongside with Austin, I think they're probably the best two places outside of um, outside of Silicon Valley right now uh, to raise money and meet our entrepreneurs and other startups. So I think it's um, it's, it's a great place to be. I'm, you know, I'm I'm grateful I was here, and uh, uh, most most of our investors are actually LA based. Um, so tell me, like, tell me about the process. What was hard about it? Well, there's different stages, right? Like, so the first round it was hard because you really have very little to show, and uh, so there has to somebody has to believe in what you're what you're saying, what you're doing, and you don't have a real track record. <laughs> so that's 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 definitely hard. So. Um, you have to have your story straight and <clears throat> show like a very, a very uh, compelling, uh, have a very compelling argument and show, show a very strong plan on how you're gonna go to your final vision. Um, so that was was the hard part the first time. But like everything, it's just a matter of like putting yourself out there and just talking to as many people as you can talk to. Luckily in LA, there are like a lot of uh, networking events, like of like and speed dating uh events uh like you know founders meet investors and stuff like that and that's actually where we found our first investor uh, which event Ocap, Ocapi venture capital uh it, it's um expert dojo um it's okay. uh, uh they have an accelerator program now as well um and the they, they were doing a lot of these events i think they probably still do and that's where we met the first investor which kind of opened up the doors for the others 
Um, and then the second investment that we had to get, um, you know, that we raised the, the nine and a half million dollar one, um, which we call it like seed plus. We didn't want to call it a series A, you know, like series A are becoming bigger and bigger. So they're, they're more like a, almost like B and C of, uh, of like 10 years ago. It's hard, still, it's hard to call a $9 million, uh, <laughs> raise a seed investment. Okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, um, the second one was, uh, was really getting, especially because we didn't like in the middle of the pandemic and we're here on hospitality industry. So that was what was hard about it, right? Like we had traction. Our business was like actually going, if you put things in context, we were killing it. Um, but it's hard to put things in context when you, you know, when, uh, everybody's poked out by the pandemic and what hospitality is going to be. Uh, Did it, it hurt your business too, right? That at one point it looked like nobody was going to be traveling at all, right? Mm-hmm. Brian from Airbnb basically cut everything to the bone, expecting that his whole business was going to fall apart for a couple of years. And then things uh, turned up for you internally. Take me to that scary point. I actually did. So I'm a contrarian. Like I'm a, uh, and, and I, I believe in following oftentimes your gut feelings on things. And one of the things we did in that moment when everybody was cutting down budgets, we actually just kept, we put <laughs> pedal to the metal. That's how they say it. Like You weren't we, afraid? No. I thought that this was going to be something that maybe was going to be here to stay, but it, but eventually travel would have started again because otherwise the entire economy, world economy would have collapsed. So I said- And even if travel comes back again, there are two, it could have been two years where it was suffering. If you think about like past wars after 9-11, it took a while. And then the government had to rescue companies, right? Marriott looked like they needed government rescuing. The airlines definitely looked like they needed government rescuing. Luca was not going to get any government rescuing. So even if you were right in the long term, why do you think you could survive the short term? Because we said, unless every single hotel is going to shut down, there's going to be some level of travel and contactless experience, if anything, was going to be at a high demand. And so we got a crazy amount of requests from hotels, not right away, but I felt that that was going to come uh, right like after a month or two of this pandemic where people are going to start looking for a solution. And I said, if everybody stops expanding and we are the only one going out there and going strong, so the second that people are going to start looking for solutions, we're going to be there. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, so it was a risky bet, but, but it definitely paid off. What do you do to get customers? Do you make so, phone calls? Is it all online? Yeah. Um, right now, we're starting to become known in the space. Uh, so we, we're getting a lot, of, um, a lot of people hearing about us, seeing our app uh, out there, um, seeing our video of like, you know, how easy it is to access a unit and all of that. Um, and so we have um, different customers reaching out to us. We do we do cold outreach um, as well. We have a very interesting way of, of doing it. It's been working out pretty well. What do for you us. do? We um, we run surveys 
paid surveys actually to figure out what people's needs are. And uh, um, based on that, it allows us to really target people that have exact problems that we can solve. Wait, how are you, who are you paying to do these surveys? Uh, there's a third party company that we're, that we're using um, that, um, that, that'll, that'll help us to do that. And what they do is they find people who have multiple properties and then they ask them questions and then based on their needs, you get to follow up and, and do a sales call. Exactly. We ask them if they're interested on, on having someone yep. reaching out to them. If we, we were to fix those problems and then based on their answer, we reach out or we don't. And uh, so that's that's been working well for us. And then trade shows, I, I say like it's it's. They're trade shows for people who own multiple Airbnb units. Oh yeah, yeah. What are yeah. some of them? Uh, VRMA <laughs> is one of the largest organization. Um, Vacation Rental Management Association. This is an association of people who have multiple properties. Okay. Yes. And then. And then we also go to hotel conferences, independent uh, boutique hotel conferences. Um, okay. And and that's um, th- those are kind of like good sources of um, of you know for us it's about like getting out there and telling people what we do mm-hmm. <laughs> because the reality is if there's a lot of people that need what, exactly what we do so it's a, it's just about spreading the word as much okay. as we can and then we do. You know, Google AdWords and um, some retargeting and uh, some LinkedIn ads and some Facebook ads as well. So that that's also uh, being being helpful. But we kind of been under the radar, under like until uh, three months ago, we were basically like almost doing none of that. I <laughs> made a bunch of money, and I I hadn't heard of you until I got an opportunity to do this interview. Yeah, and I'm looking at I'm looking at your traffic on Semrush. I don't think you guys kicked off until somewhere around May of 2021. Yeah. And right. What, what did you start to do? Is that after a raise or something? Uh, we did raise money around exact that time. Yes. <laughs> so I think, I think a lot of people heard of us from that race and then, uh, uh <laughs> we purposely wanted to be under the radar because I think, we we found I think a unique opportunity in the market in the B two B side, where we yeah. didn't want other people to necessarily know. So we were like more like uh, having a sniper approach uh, for customer, <laughs> if that makes sense. And then now we kind of are, are going out there and and you know in the past uh, ninety days we actually doubled the size of the company. Does it bother the you? Is it a challenge that? Your company is spelled Journey, J-U-R-N-Y? No, I actually love it because it speaks to how, um, speaks to our efficiency. Uh, <laughs> okay. But what about from people spelling? Like if I heard Journey, whenever it's a, it's a straight up word, it's hard enough to, to go search for someone because Journey is just such a common word. But then if I have to spell it right too, I, I have multiple opportunities to miss you if somebody tells me about you. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I guess the price to pay for uh, what we feel like is a cool name. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I think eventually people, you know, will know. And uh, you know, if they see our name out there on how to spell our logo, um, then they they know based on that. Um, it's 
it's been relatively an issue, uh, like kind of not not an issue as far as I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it looks like um, I see an I, I see articles now being written about you. So it looks like you guys have got good press people now. There's a Forbes article about how um, hotels are cutting back, and in it, there's someone at your company, the director of operations, Lewis, I guess, uh-huh. saying daily housekeeping is essentially defunct now. Even before COVID, there was a noticeable trend down, but you are part of this new experience of less being provided by hotels, but at the same time, how do you still make it feel like a luxurious experience? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're tapping into. This We're all talking about how there's less, there are fewer services. You're saying, yes, we're here to stand up and say that's true. And at the same time, here's where um, we're still offering luxury without the people. A hundred percent. And technology is what it's, it's the only thing, in my opinion, that can compensate for that. Because um, technology allows you to have an elevated experience uh, with less people. We allow you to have a virtual front desk 24-7 anywhere you are. Um, so maybe Especially you have the less- part where, you cu- where you're willing to do the calls and the text messages on behalf of your clients. I've met people who do these types of Airbnbs they seem to love being contacted on a regular basis. I don't understand why that would be my nightmare, but uh, if you can outsource it so much better. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, Luca, the website is journey. So now next time I want to travel somewhere, should I just go download the journey app directly and try to experience you directly? hundred percent. Let us know. All right. We'll, I'll give it a shot. We'll give All right. You and a anyone discount. out there who's, who owns multiple properties, definitely going to be checking you out. Thanks so much for being on here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you have people working for you, full-time employees or contractors or whatever, go to, there's no whatever, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And of course, when you need to hire developers, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Grateful to them and to you, Luca. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone.